Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's great to be here with you. So good. What a lovely day as well, hey? What a beautiful day. Wow, we nearly didn't come. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, we had church on the beach this morning. I don't know what you guys did, but we're still, thankfully, in a way, uh, flexible enough, small enough, if that's the word, um, to get a quick communication around everybody and say, hey, let's just do church on the beach. It's so nice. So we like took a gazebo down on the beach and, uh, yeah, big gazebo and a bunch of chairs and took a, a guitar and a djembe down, which we'd never used actually. We didn't use it, the guitar and the djembe. We just, we just all got down there and it was just such a beautiful day. And God's so good, isn't he? God's so good. And hey, we don't have to be religious. Did you know that? We don't have to be religious. I know we love to worship. You know, that's a, one of the problems I have coming somewhere anywhere to speak is I just love to worship. And so, like, the danger is I just want the worship just to keep going and keep going. And we've got about 20 minutes, but, you know, I, we could just worship some more if we want. But, um, but uh, yeah, I just felt to say Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, guys. Who's, who's a father in the room? Wow, I just want to honour you guys. What a privilege to be a father. And how, yeah, thank you, Jesus. And what a good, good father we have. And... I'm just only just starting to realise that after being a Christian for 30 years. That's my confession. That's not quite true, but I do feel like it's just getting more and more and more kind of obvious and clear to me. I'm like, how did I miss this? How did we miss this? I feel like I did church for nearly 30 years and didn't quite get it. Um, But I'm starting to realise he is so good. You know, who's read the Bill Johnson, God is good? You know, he's better than you think. Or as we say at home sometimes, he's more gooder than you think. He is more gooder than you think. So change the way you think. You know, but we need help from the Holy Spirit to do that, don't we? Because kind of a lot of us have had stuff put in that didn't help us. Whether that was, you know, to do with our family background or our upbringing or whether that was to do with religion and kind of religious church. And uh, we are having to untangle some stuff. That turns out, guess what? It wasn't true. <laughs> He's just so, so good. He is so, so good. Always, always good. As Tim was saying tonight, he's always been good. We just didn't know it, how good he is. And we're just coming into the goodness of that now. And so part of what I want to do tonight really is just celebrate that. How good is our father? He's such a good, good father. Oh, that is one song I wish I'd written. Good, good father. I'll tell you what. You know, and I remember when it first came out and my songwriter's hat came straight on. You know, he's a good, good father, that's who... No, you're a good, good father, that's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you, that's who I am. And I thought, that's bad English, that's bad grammar. That's not very good. I'm loved by you, that's who I am. But then it was like, hang on a minute. No, that's so profound. That is so profound. I am loved by you, that's who I am. That defines me. His love defines me. And I need to make sure that's the only thing that defines me. Does that make sense? Let's just let, let's make that decision. That's the only thing that defines me. He defines me. Well, I'm going to read a, an interpretation of a scripture out in a moment, actually. I felt led to share with you again tonight. I, led, I shared a global legacy. Um, how he, he just won't allow himself to think anything other than love and goodness over you. He turns a deaf ear. He, he almost becomes deaf to anything else that's, that's negative or that doesn't agree with how he thinks about you. He won't hear it. 
He's just so full of love for you. He's so for you. Such a good, good father. So I just wanted to, you know, I think just just hang around that for a bit tonight. Being Father's Day, he's such a good father. He's always been good and he's always been father. You know, that that's, Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you should pray, our father, our father. Jesus was always talking about father. He always talked about God as father and got himself in a lot of trouble about it because somehow that implied that, well, in fact, he said it sometimes, didn't he? I am the father, I one. Um, or in some translations, I am the father, we are one. It sort of sounds a little bit more grammatically correct. It's a bit of an odd sentence, I am the father, are one. But obviously it's a translation. But that got him in trouble. Because that sort of implies that somehow I'm made of the same stuff. We're connected in a way that, you know, like you, it was almost kind of like he was saying, hey, there's something different about me. I am the father, are one. We're one. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but we're, it's like he would say, he was like almost making a distinction. And he, that got him in a lot of trouble. And um, I, I've been thinking about this this week, I suppose, just preparing, you know, for, for tonight. We're on, we're on a journey. That, that phrase is getting a bit worn out down home. I don't know about here, but we are on a journey. It is true, we are on a journey into, into the goodness of God, into the Father heart of God and discovering who he is. But I almost felt as I was preparing, and I wrote that down, you know, we're on a journey and um, I felt like Holy Spirit said, yeah, but don't forget it's a relationship. Don't forget it's a relationship. You can have this image in your head, we're on a journey, and you can kind of almost feel a bit like, oh, where's it going? And it's a bit scary, and am I on my own in this? But no, no, we're in a relationship. In fact, we're in a covenant relationship, a covenant relationship with Father. And he's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you go. He's always going to be good. And yeah, we might be on a journey, but we're safe. Because we can trust Him. We can trust Holy Spirit. We can trust Him to take care of us. We can trust Him on this journey. And so, for me, this journey's been... I grew up in a Christian family. Um, went to a Church of England, Anglican Church, for probably, I don't, I don't know, years. As, as a kid, I was taken to church every weekend. And uh, the kind of church that my parents were at... Um, was quite, I wouldn't say high, but very traditional. Lots of hymns, only hymns really, no, no kind of modern songs, just hymns, organ and choir. And uh, I just remember as a little kid walking in the back of that church, the, the atmosphere, the, the architecture even, kind of felt like it just underlined the theology, the, the kind of the belief in that that was in that atmosphere, in that place, was actually God's, he's holy, holy, holy. You know, these are some of the songs that we sang. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, immortal, invisible, hid from our eyes, in light, inaccessible. In other words, like, it felt like God's a million miles away. He's there somewhere out there, a bit like the vicar, you know, right at the far end of this tunnel, this kind of tunnel of pillars and pews and sort of dark, dusty kind of old building and he's down the front somewhere behind this kind of altar and a rail and stuff and it's almost like we're not allowed to go there. That's what, that, as a kid, that's what I kind of, I kind of, you know how as a little kid you're curious, aren't you? You're inquisitive. You're kind of trying to figure it all out and I'd be sitting in the back row there somewhere and just trying to figure out the kind of, I didn't understand theology, I didn't understand that I was actually trying to figure out theology but I was sitting at the back thinking, Okay, so God's like that. He's like, he's distant, 
he's behind this, this rail and this curtain and this altar and he's up there and we're not allowed up there because he's holy, holy, holy and we're not. And we have to sit here and say, I'm not worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table and I'm just a sinner and da 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 and all this sort of the liturgy. And eventually, like 45 minutes or so into the service, the vicar pronounces forgiveness and you're like, phew, you know, <laughs> we, we can live, you know, we can, we can stay alive, you know, and, and sort of, it's just, ah, oh, man, I grew up with that. And that was that, you know, like I say, almost the, the architecture almost kind of, confirmed this kind of idea, this theology. But, you know, coming out of that, I won't go through my testimony now, I, I backslid and, uh, and sort of, if, if I was even a Christian, I'm not sure I was, I, I believed in God. It doesn't make you a Christian, does it? The devil believes in God. Um, you know, and, yeah, we, we won't get into my, my whole story, but after years of, of just sort of doing all the things that teenagers do and, and students do, whatever, I came, to, came back to Jesus when I was 21 uh, got saved and found, I found Father. But I didn't know even then how good He is. How good is our Father? He's so good. And, um, if I'm honest, I think probably wasn't until I, I went to Toronto. I was very privileged to be invited to Toronto to lead worship in the late 90s. It kicked off in 94 on Father's Day, wasn't it? it kicked off, well, that whole Toronto blessing as it became known over here, which they called the Father's Blessing. Because it started on Father's Day over there, 23 years ago on Father's Day, the Toronto Renewal or whatever they called it, um, started um, just in a meeting like this. It all kicked off and nobody wanted to go home. And it carried on for hours and then they thought, let's meet again tomorrow night. And I think there were still people on the floor from the previous meeting and it just kind of went on and on. And it's still going on. I don't think it's six nights a week like it was, but it's still... You know, there's still, and John Arnott, John and Carol Arnott coming over this year, as are many guys, you know, when you think of what's happening in this nation right now, I don't think it's insignificant that we've got guys like Bill Johnson, Chris Ballerton, John and Carol Arnott, all these various people coming over, David's 10, all these things. Read the signs of the times, guys. This nation's on God's heart. It is. He's coming. <laughs> He's coming. So, yeah, he's always been good. He's always been father. He's always been papa, abba, abba father, papa, papa God. But I didn't realize that. And I thought, I was thinking about this again as I was preparing. I thought, you know, my dad, he's always been dad to me. He's always been daddy. Like when I was a kid, he was daddy, and then he kind of became dad when that's not quite so cool, is it, when you're like 16, 17, <laughs> saying daddy. But he was always dad to me. That's, that was my relationship with him. He's my dad. Um, and I, I knew him as dad. And he was my dad. But to other people, he was all sorts of other things. He had a very high profile job. He negotiated um, contracts for manufacture of aircraft parts, aircraft engines, fuselages. He would travel around the world. He would be getting one company in Norway to build the fuselage or the engines or whatever and somewhere else he'd be negotiating and he was dealing with millions of pounds worth of budget for government's defence budget for aircraft and stuff so that was his world and that's what like people knew him in that they didn't know him as dad they knew him as this very shrewd guy who could negotiate a deal and save millions of pounds in the process but he was my daddy he's my dad, he's always been my dad and I was thinking about that, you know, a lot of us Maybe, 
you know, we don't know him yet as Papa, as Daddy. You know, I, I grew up praying, Dear God, you know, or Dear Lord. What will help me, God? You know, whatever. <laughs> Depending on the situation. Um, but he, and you know, he is the Lord Almighty. That's his name. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah. Uh, he's all, he's, he has all sorts of names, doesn't he, in scripture. He's the Ancient of Days. He's the Great I Am. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of hosts. He commands the armies of heaven. All these things are true. He is all these things, but he's my dad. He's my dad. He's always been my papa. I didn't know him as Papa. I, I, I grew up knew, knowing my natural dad as Dad, and I didn't know he was all these other important things to other people. In a way, it's been almost like the reverse journey for me as a Christian growing up, thinking he's Lord of all, he's Lord of hosts, he's Lord Almighty, he's this and that, not realizing actually he's my dad, he's my Papa. He's the one, when I got born again, when the Spirit of God came upon me, by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, it says, doesn't it? He's the Spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. We're adopted in his family. And I love that the kingdom is all about family. I love that the king of kings is my father. He's our father. Our father who are in heaven, he's our father. And we're family. We've all got the same dad. I'm t- this is basic, <laughs> I know, but I'm still getting it. I... I knew all these complicated things about, you know, we did te- seminars on predestination and goodness knows what back in the day, which I still don't understand. But um, <laughs> I don't even want to understand it. I'm just like, leave it as a mystery. That's fine. I just want to know my papa, you know, because he's with me always. And, and we're not going to get anywhere if we don't know papa. We can know all this stuff in our head, but we're not called to know information or knowledge up here. We're called to know him here, heart-to-heart connection. That's where the safety is. I think we used to think, certainly I used to think, safety was in knowing this. You know, safe, this is, was my safety, know this. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. This is the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we need to know it. But my real safety is in knowing Him. Because the Pharisees thought they knew this. They, they diligently studied the Scriptures, but they didn't recognize Jesus when He came. So we need to, we need to be reading this, but with the Holy Spirit. This, this book was meant to be read with the Holy Spirit, not on your own. Not tuck yourself in a corner and try and figure it out with your head somehow. You just, you won't figure it out. It's hard enough with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's not, but he's good. That was a, yeah, that was possibly a crossing the line joke there, but there you go. He loves us, doesn't he? So, wow. So, <clears throat> our language is changing. My language is changing. Anybody seen, um, the shack? We went to see the shack this week um, and I was just fascinated at the beginning of that film um, without giving any story story away the main character's name is Mac his wife calls God Papa she always refers to him as Papa and, uh, but Mac doesn't, he doesn't get it in fact I don't think he really knows God at the start of that movie but after all that happens in this encounter that he has he's calling God Papa and so I'm saying that because I think it, you know, it has to come from Papa. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. He reveals it to us. It's not like, you know, it's not like we've started a new type of church where we call God Papa and other people don't. They call him something else. And we call him. Do you know what I mean? It can be, it can be, you know, some people I think can think this is a trend. You know, the songs that we're singing, 
They're very intimate. And I've had people come to me because I've been in worship leading ministry for 20 years saying, well, where, what's happened to the songs with all the content in and stuff? Which I'm not knocking, they're great. We, we want to be declaring praises and we want to, you know, we love to declare who he is and stuff. But actually, we also want to be intimate and we want to love him in our worship. And it's, the language is changing. Like in the shack, he ends up calling it, the main character starts talking to God and calling him Papa. Language changes. It's the season. We're, we're coming into a different season in the church in the UK. I, I think I feel like I want to prophesy that. That I feel like we are entering. I've gone a bit off piece. I hope this is okay. But I feel I feel like we are entering. It's, I don't even want to call it a season because seasons come around: spring, summer, autumn, winter. But I feel like we're entering a new epoch, which is a big word. But it basically means it's like we've gone into a new era, which is distinguishable from the last era. Some certain things have changed. So like when the Industrial Revolution happened, you know, it changed everything. Um, but they never went back to making fire with sticks and stones and bits of grass and you know, we, we don't go back that way. We're always going forward. So when the computer revolution happened, you know, it's computer, everything's computerized now, isn't it? We're not going to wake up one day and go, all oh, right, we've done that season. We're going back to the season of agriculture. And we're not going to do that, are we? That's what I mean by an epoch. It's like it's, it's something's shifted. And we've, we're on this journey, again, to coin that phrase. But we're in a new, we're in a new epoch, I think, personally. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared to say that because I feel like I feel like, well, I've read the end of the book. I know where we're going. You know, the last page of the book, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. We're headed towards a wedding. We're headed towards a marriage supper. We're headed towards the ultimate expression of intimacy between us and God. And we're not going back to, like, you know, singing some of the old songs, good at the time, but it was all we knew. But things are changing. We're getting more and more revelation. The language is changing. Our songs are changing. You just listen to the stuff that, if you listen to the Bethel songs or the Helsa songs, or, you know, we were at David's tent last year and just the intimacy was amazing, off the charts. Some people couldn't get it. And that's, that's fine. We need to love them and help them. In the end, only Holy Spirit can give you revelation. It's, it's a revelation thing. And it's understanding who He is. And understanding that he wants to be intimate with us. It's not, um, you know, we're not being, we're not being irreverent. It's not irreverent to be intimate with the one who paid the price for intimacy with us. I feel like he's finally getting the reward that he paid for, what, what he suffered for. And so, um, again, to kind of illustrate, that journey and that epoch change from a worship perspective, I guess, because I'm a worship leader, it kind of, this is where I've seen a lot of the journey, but I remember hearing that, that song, um, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, that old hymn. When that first came out, people didn't, they weren't comfortable with it. In some places it was banned. Because it was too personal, it's all in the first person. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count but lost, poor contempt on all my pride you know, forbid it Lord that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the very things that charm me most, I sacrifice unto his blood, it was all I me I me you, 
it was like, whoa, you know, now we've, we've, we've just gone through this season of, uh, of like people talking about you songs, you know, rather than he songs. We're singing, we're singing you songs now. You are good, good, oh, you are good. You'll never let me down. It's you. We're singing to him, not about him. There's a big difference. Big difference. And again, getting back to scripture, we need to know him, not about him. It's him we want. It's him. And he started this thing. He's initiated this. He's drawing us after him with such intimacy and such love. Do you know the word that is most used in, uh, in the New Testament for worship is the Greek word proskunio, which is probably not how you pronounce it at all, but it looks like proskunio when you see it written down, uh, used 60 times in the New Testament. By far the most used word in the New Testament about worship, proskunio, and it means to turn toward to kiss, is what it means. To turn toward to kiss. Um, so, I mean, it's, again, you know, we get into trouble sometimes with the language and some some parts of the church are not comfortable with that and uh, you know some have even tried to suggest actually that word was occasionally also used for a dog licking its master's hand and that we're wrong to you know use it to, to say it means to turn toward to kiss and uh, I was reading a, a book by a guy called Zach Neese um, who says, <laughs> this is big words for me, I had to look these up, but he says, it's pedantic prudery. Do you know what that means? So pedantic nitpicking, if you like. Prudery is all about um, excessive modesty, um, easily shocked or offended. It's pedantic prudery that has caused some to define proscunio as to lick the hand, as a dog would lick his master's hand. As if it would be more biblical to portray our relationship with God as a dog with its owner than a bridegroom and his bride. We are the bride of Christ. I am part of the bride. You know, we always have this joke about, don't we, like, you know, ladies, you can be sons, because it says that about you, and, you know, I can be part of the bride. I don't have a problem with that. I just love him. And uh, it's, it's a picture, isn't it, of this incredible intimacy. Over 60 times proscunio is, is used. But it's so important, like I say again, that our... Our language is genuine, it's authentic, that we are, we can only worship back to God what we understand. You know, that if I use that, the first place that word comes up, I believe, is in John 4, where Jesus says the true worshippers, again he's using the word proscunio there, the true worshippers will worship the Father, there it is again, Father, not God, but Father. The true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit, because we need to be born again. We need, God is spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So we have to be born of the spirit of God and filled with the spirit of God in order to be a true worshipper. We worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now that word truth is the word aletheia, which means reality, or it means nothing hidden. It means what lies behind the outward appearance. In other words, not just the outward appearance, but what's behind it. The truth, the integrity, if you like, sincerity, integrity of heart. Those, that's what true worship is about. In other words, if I'm doing this on the outside, but in my heart I've got anger issues or I've got whatever else going on or unforgiveness, then I'm not really truly worshipping. True worship is about a surrendered heart 
that, that says, I love you, Lord, and, and, and it means it. It's not just lip service like the, the Pharisees worship, they said they worship in vain. Uh, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But true worship is where your heart is in this intimate relationship. So Jesus used that word proscunio, talking about true worshippers. This thing of truth, worshipping in truth. So it's not, it's not just about, you know, I think I've heard people teach way back, not so much recently, thankfully, about worshipping spirit and truth is about singing in tongues and, and singing lots of content songs with lots of truth in them. It's not necessarily about that. Jesus is talking about spirit to spirit communion, Holy Spirit communion with Father through the Spirit, communing with Father in truth, in integrity and in sincerity of heart. The reality, nothing hidden. It's, it's all, your heart is exposed before God. He sees it all anyway. He's, he's not fooled if we, if we do all the right outward stuff, which is so easy to learn, isn't it? Like, we're good at that. We learn, we're good at learning outward behavior, if you like. You can walk into a church and think, all right, this is what you do here. This is the bit in the song when we all raise our hands, and this is the bit where we, you know, whatever. So that's just like outwards. But he's interested in the heart, isn't he? So, um, I would love to just read you this bit if we've got time. We've gone past eight. Is that right? Just, I said I'd read you this um, scripture. I was looking at Zephaniah 3.17. You may or may not be familiar with that as a, as a reference. Zephaniah 3.17. You're probably familiar with the scripture. The Lord your God is in the midst of you. He is mighty to save. He would re- rejoice over you in love. Um, that's the, the short version. Um, I just spent some time looking into the Hebrew words because I like doing that sometimes. I just find it opens it up. I just find so often the English language is inadequate. We've got one word and they've got 15 words and I'm like, what aren't you telling me? Can somebody help me? You know, so you go, if you look at something like Bible Hub, there's quite a few apps on if you've got a, you know, an iPad or something. There's some really helpful stuff out there now. So I looked up, uh, the word rejoice. I looked up the word joy and the word rest. And I even looked up the word singing. I mean, you think, why would you look that up? I know what singing is. But the thing is, I know too well that so often in the Old Testament, we've only got certain words. We translate a word as singing, but it might well have other connotations or other meanings. So I looked them up. So <clears throat> um, this, is, this is the amplified, Oakley amplified version of that verse. Um, <laughs> It actually, if you if you fill it right out and bring all the connotations and all the the all the kind of extra words, if you like, that come through in the Hebrew, um, this is how your father thinks of you, and this is why I'm I'm so excited. It's a happy Father's Day because we've got a happy father. He's a happy father. He's happy with you. Do you know that? He's happy with you. He's always always been happy with you. He's never been unhappy with you. He's never been embarrassed by you or about you. He's never felt any shame in his heart over you at all. Only ever rejoices over you with singing. So I'm going to read this. It says, the Lord your God, this is the, the extended version if you like. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you, delight in you, exalt over you and be glad. He will make mirth. I'll have to look that up. I might tell you a bit about that in a minute as well. He will make mirth with laughter and celebration merriment and high spirits and rejoice greatly over you with gladness, happiness and pleasure in his heart and with exceeding joy and festival celebration. Whoa, this is how he feels about you. He will rest 
Now this is interesting. Some translations say he will rest in his love and some say he will quiet you in his love. Actually, the root word of be if you look at the word quiet in the Hebrew, the root of that word is, is to do with is to do with becoming deaf or being deaf or turning a deaf ear. That's like I was saying earlier. It's like he turns a deaf ear to any negative word or untruth leveled against you. He will not hear anything said about you other than what he himself thinks as a good father who made you for his pleasure and for his love. He won't hear it. He will dance in circles and spin around under the influence of overwhelming and violent, deep, joyful emotion. That's mad, isn't it? That's... Oh. He's passionate. He's not, he's not placid. He's not, you know, passive. He's passionate. He's passionately in love with you. Um, with deep, joyful emotion and with singing, as he sings joyful songs and shouts of joy and leaps and jumps for joy with a cry of sheer delight and a whoop of triumph over you. That's, that's our father. That's daddy God. That's papa. He's happy. He's happy with you. He's a happy father. He loves you so, so much. And he celebrates you. And it's just, wow. Sometimes I feel like we're, we're so English. <laughs> you know, we need a bit of freeing up. But it's coming, isn't it? It's coming. Thank you, Jesus. It's coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's coming. Wow. Do you know what the ultimate end goal of this incredible relationship is oneness. Is oneness. Um, you know, when John, uh, sorry, when Jesus prays in, in John chapter 17, verse 11, he says, he's talking about the disciples and the believers at this point, and glory has come to me through them. Then he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now, I used to think that was about unity and about us all coming to some amazing agreement with one another on theological issues and stuff like that. But if you read further on, it's really much, much more than that. It's about unity with him. Um, he goes on to say in uh, verse 20, 21, is it? He says... My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so that all of us may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent, that you've sent me. Um, and in another place... He talks about, you know, he's when he's talking to Philip and Philip's saying, show us the Father. And he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then he talks about the Holy Spirit coming and he's, he's talking about, you've known the Holy Spirit with you, but you will know him in you. And so we are in Christ. Holy Spirit's in us. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. And Christ is in the Father. And the Father's in Christ. And it's this inseparable oneness that we're all kind of, we've, the church is, is slowly being drawn into this we're becoming one with Father Son, Holy Spirit, there's a oneness that's coming, a unity, a communion, a deep, deep communion that's coming where you 
you won't be able to separate. So I brought, I won't do it now, but because um, I'll just have to explain it. I did bring some water and some glasses. But imagine you've got a glass with some water in it. Imagine you've got two glasses with water in it. You pour one lot of water into the other glass and then back again and back again. You can't separate the water that was in the first glass from the water that was in the second glass. It's all become one. It's all, and then if you've got a third glass, which is the church, if you like, the believers, you pour them in there as well. Because he wants us to be part of that, that union, that, un, that communion, that, that oneness. We're invited into that. One with him. It's, it's so deep. I mean, only just starting to get hold of it. But, um, just want to encourage you just to keep pressing in, to know him. Because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his passionate heart full of love for you. Um, and to know him so intimately, I think it's, it's, it's just becoming overwhelming just how incredible that is and, and what that might do to us as a church when we get hold of that and when we, when we walk out these doors into our workplaces or the school gate or wherever we connect with people, wherever we meet people, just so full of the Holy Spirit, just so full of him and just so overwhelmed with his love that we can't wipe the smile off our face and people are like, what is it with you? Do you know, but we know that we know that we know that we've got a good, good father who loves us and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I, that's what defines me. I'm loved by you. So, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to stop it there. Otherwise I'll start opening something else up and going way over time if we haven't already. Um, I just felt a couple of things just towards the back end of when we were worshipping that one or two here, I felt, I felt a heaviness come on me, which is not mine, because I, I'm not feeling any heaviness right now. I'm feeling a lot of joy. Um, but just as a sort of a burden, kind of a heaviness, that I just felt the scripture that came to mind was, you know, come to me, you who are thirsty and heavy laden, those who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And that, that was the verse I felt the Holy Spirit highlighted to me. So if that's you and you feel like I, I need some help, with this burden. I feel like I just can't get through this thing. You need to know Holy Spirit knows. He knows about that and he wants to come alongside and come under that for you and carry that with you, carry, take that off you, take the weight of that off you uh, and give you rest from that burden. Um, so I don't know if anyone here identifies with that but I think we're going to pray for people shortly if there's some other words of knowledge here tonight or not. The other thing I got was a little bit a little bit strange, but I'm going to say it anyway. But it was like a door. Um, it was a bit like these these white doors here, but there was no handle on it at all. It was just a plain white door with no handle. And it, there was almost a sense of which I need to get through that door, but I can't do anything about it because the handle was on the other side. And it was like you felt powerless. And um, this is just what I saw, so I don't know if this relates to anybody. But then it's like I saw uh, a handle being put on this side um, and it was like an empowering it was like now you can you can open this door you don't have to sit and wait now you can you can take this initiative and you can open this door so I'm just trying to be just trying to honour what I felt Holy Spirit was putting on my heart if you feel like you are on the in, inside you know locked in a space where you can't do anything about it the handle's on the other side of the door um, I feel like God wants to give you hope I feel like there's a He's putting a handle on that door so that you can take the initiative. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully that's encouraging. But I'd love to pray for you if that's you. If that's that ringing a bell, um, then 
guess when, if any other words of knowledge are here tonight and you're going to come forward for some prayer, then I'd love to pray for you. Um, Tim, do you want to handle the... Um... Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, why don't we just stand to our feet and... Um, if you on, you know, if you recognise something of that journey, you know, you're on a similar journey. You're starting to come to know him as Father, Papa God, Abba Father, Papa God. And if you want more of that, and if you want, if you want to just catch more of a glimpse of of the delight in Father's heart over you, the way he sings and spins and sings over you, he's just so delighted with you. Just just open your hands before him and just ask Holy Spirit. Come right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, would you impart to our hearts the Father's love? Thank you, that's what you do. You shared abroad in our hearts the love of God. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, even right now, just round this room, come and just open the eyes of our heart afresh to fresh revelation. Father God, Abba Father, Papa. Papa God, thank you that's who you are. Thank you, you're a good, good father. You know, just pray for more revelation, Lord, on that. More revelation. We need, we need more help. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Thank you, you're our helper. Thank you, you said you would take from the things that belong to Jesus and make them known to us. And, and Abba Father is one of those things. Jesus was always talking about God as his father. And we're brought into the same relationship with Abba Father. He loves you with the same love he loves Jesus with. So Holy Spirit, just I pray, open the eyes of our heart afresh tonight. Would you just bring a fresh revelation and a fresh impartation of your love, of your Father heart? You said you'd not leave us as orphans. If any of you tonight are feeling at all like, you know, I just feel like sometimes I feel like an orphan, like he's not there when I need him. Just know that that's not true for starters, that's not true. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. He said he wouldn't leave us as orphans, but he'd come to us. And that the Father would make his home in us, in our hearts. And so I just ask you for that tonight, Lord. We're sons and daughters, dearly loved by you. We're loved by you, that's who we are. Sons and daughters of the living God. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer slaves. We're not slaves to fear anymore. We're sons and daughters. We're brought near. We are brought near through the blood of Jesus. We are brought near to Father, to Abba Father, Papa God. So just bring that home to us, Holy Spirit. Just keep unfolding that revelation for us in Jesus' name.